Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm super excited about today's episode. Um, We are getting intimate this episode. It's going to be a really fun episode. We have actually got intimacy coach and relationship expert, Shamari Brissett. And I'm super excited. Welcome Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. I'm ready. Yes. Um, I, I, this has been like a conversation that, but we cut as always, I've I've had a conversation before the actual podcast episode, um, with Shamari and, um, I'm super excited to get into, uh, like what it means to be an intimacy coach. What does intimacy look like? And like, how does our mental health and intimacy, like, where does that intersect? But let me give her like a proper introduction. So Shamari is a marriage in, Uh, family therapist turned intimacy coach and relationship expert. She specializes in empowering women to be fully uninhibited and fulfilled in their intimate and sexual relationships. Uh, Shamari believes that everyone deserves genuine confidence, relationship satisfaction, and unlimited orgasms if if you want them. I don't see why you wouldn't, but if you want them. (laughs) So she started LAB uh, LLC in 2021 to expand her reach uh, at Shamari uh, Lab, LAB. She combines reliable support, evidence-based knowledge, and experience along with accountability to help you obtain all that you deserve in relationships um, as a sexual assault survivor, a modern Black woman, millennial wife, and a therapist. She combines per- personal and professional experience to best serve her clients. So um, I'm super excited to get into this conversation. I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just overall excited about this episode. So, uh, before we get into that, you know, we got to ask you some questions. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I hate calling this icebreaker questions, but dang, I still have not figured out a better name for this. Right. I need to put out a survey and maybe I'll do that this weekend to figure out a better name for the segment than icebreaker questions. But either way, it's three minutes. Um, Basically take three minutes and go through a bunch of different questions. You give me the first thing that comes to mind. If there's a story behind it, you can share if you want to. Um, You ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. (laughs) If you got a choice to choose where you go for vacation, are you going to choose a beach, safari, or forest? Beach. Beach. All right. Same. Um, are you a cat person or a dog person or no pets at all? Mm, no pets. My no pets. really wants a dog. So we're going to get a dog, but I, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you actually don't want the dog. It's like, this is your dog. Right. <laughs> You're not going to be walking the dog or like, no. Picking up the, nah. I'm no. Good. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> it's his dog. <laughs> um, what's your favorite candy? Oh, um, probably airheads. That's what I Ooh. eat most often. Like I get one like every few months or so. Like okay. I'll eat one. <laughs> just one. You can just eat one airhead. Yeah, I don't. I don't like candy like that for real. Okay. I'm not a candy person. Right. I ate so much candy back in the day. My teeth hurt if I eat it now. So that kind of like <laughs> I stick Limits. to chocolate. <laughs> My teeth are like, girl, don't play. There's a lot of money to be spent at the dentist. You don't need oh, that. So much. So much. <laughs> um, do you have any hidden talents? No, I feel like I don't have a talent. I have accomplishment, like random accomplishments that I have, but I don't feel like I have a random, like a talent. Nah. Nah. I don't think so. What about like a random accomplishment that somebody would kind of be surprised to hear that you did? Um, when I was in fourth grade, I was a world champion in double Dutch. Oh, okay. What? 
for okay where, mm-hmm. where are you where are you from fourth grade where i'm originally from connecticut from okay. new haven okay. um and um a part of my after school program they had someone come in and they were like we're gonna have a double dutch program and it was my first year trying like you know we we jumped double dutch before that with the extension cords but yeah this was like the legit like we got rules this is how it works okay um, we have to do tricks so like i was like flipping and doing all sorts of things in the ropes so that was my first year doing it we won um in doubles and it was amazing it was a wonderful experience but after that like once you win people take it very seriously and then it wasn't fun anymore and i'm 10 like i want to have fun <laughs> you're so, like get the extension cords back out like, like yeah like, let's go back to the basics because this is too much pressure for right? a 10 year old um right? so we i didn't jerseys. do it after that yeah like we got jackets I got trophies and like it's cool but then people were like oh well now we have to do this this and this and like I was like oh I don't want to do that yeah I feel that I feel that have you ever um eaten a whole pizza by yourself no No. like a personal size one not like a a legit not a a, okay not a not a real pizza (laughs) if (laughs) if you could have dinner with any celebrity who would you pick hmm I mean, I like a lot of the celebrities that have passed on, so I, I don't even know, like who. Yeah, you can pick them if they if they pass. We can bring oh, okay. the ghosts back, bring the spirit okay. back. No, I really love Tupac. He okay. has my heart, um, but I also do really like Janae. So she's alive. I, I would, I would, yeah. I would sit with her. That would be a good convo, especially now she's like very pregnant. I feel like there'd be some yeah. good stuff coming out of that convo. Yeah, no, I would, I would love that actually. Yeah, yeah, let's go with okay. that. Okay, we'll put that out in the in the universe. Oh, that could be real. Like I could really right? have that. She's live. Like, right? let's do that. She might be listening. I don't know. <laughs> um, did you set a New Year's resolution this year? And if so, did you do you feel like you accomplished it? Um, I don't think that I set one officially, but I do try to like create like my vision boards, write down my goals, the things that I want to get rid of um, and all of that. And part of it was as far as my business being able to like really put myself out there just because I'm a very private person, typically pretty quiet. Um, So this year I really had to challenge myself to like put myself out there and networking and getting on social media and actually like showing myself. So I do feel like I've accomplished it. I've grown a lot in a short period of time um but yeah I think for the most part I did I love I love that I love to hear that it's like I feel like those those resolutions or just goals that you have it feels good to really be like dang okay I'm doing this I'm doing exactly what I said I would do (laughs) so who what's your biggest pet peeve and why Um, I'm not sure if it's my biggest one, but it's something that I've had to learn to deal with. So like my husband does not close tops completely. So if there's like juice or sauce or anything, like if it's a twist top, the top will not be on completely. Like, I don't know why he does. He's like, well, you're going to go grab it and open it again. Well, no, I shake everything. (laughs) I shake everything. It doesn't matter if it needs to be shaken or not. I'm going to shake it. So like, there's stuff coming like now there's a mess because you just didn't put the top on <laughs> now there's so, juice everywhere because the top is loose. right and now I have to clean it because you didn't put the top on so that's <laughs> something that I've had to learn to deal with and now I'm getting a little bit better with checking before I just start shaking yeah but yeah that is such, I've never heard it. of that why I just don't it's just like a little a little extra twist Literally, I'm like, why? And he cannot explain it to me. He's like, you just, you about to open it now. Like, not at, before I shake it. Not before like, I shake it. it. <laughs> not, I'm or not like, about to open over, it. Like. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That's He's funny. different. Yeah, it's, It sounds like a girl. I, everything would be on the floor at that point for me. Literally. <laughs> um. Okay, last one. What's the best trip that you've ever had? Um, I really enjoyed my 30th birthday. We went to St. Martin Ooh. and it was so much fun. We like rented out a boat and it was just for us. And like, we got to spend the day doing that. It's beautiful. And when we went, it was recently after the hurricane. So they were still building stuff up. There wasn't 
a whole lot to do but where we stayed the airbnb was like an area with like a private beach like we had so much fun just with ourselves went to the new beach um, which i was very excited to do (laughs) so it was it was great uh we got to ride horses like it was really just an amazing trip like i need to do another one of those yes everybody needs one of those i mean you're riding horses going to the nude beach i mean Mm -hmm. with the horses i don't know how it works (laughs) it sounds like a good time Uh, yes it sounds like a really good time well i want to get into um i want to get into intimacy and i want to get into first off i know you're a marriage and family therapist and you've transitioned into becoming an intimacy coach and i think that's such an interesting transition but it also when i think about it, it makes sense but how did you get to that point of like, okay, I'm a therapist, I'm working with families, I'm working with couples, and now I'm going to transition? What what prompted that? Um, A couple of things. So obviously, marriage and family therapists, like I love talking about relationships and dynamics and why people do the things that they do and how that develops. Like, I love it. I've always wanted to do that. Um, but I am also a person that moves a lot. Um, If you know anything about therapy, you know that you can only see a therapist that is licensed within the same state that you reside. Um, And if I move every couple of years, it's not conducive to building a career anywhere, really, because every time you're going to start over. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that, um, and paired with my own personal experiences, so I sought out therapy for myself. I sought out sex coach and all of these services because I'm a sexual assault survivor. And seeking those services, I wanted, ideally, someone who looks a little bit like me Mm -hmm. Um, and someone that can relate, someone that can understand me culturally and maybe why I approach life the way that I do. Um, And I was not able to find that. And this is pre-pandemic, so mostly everything is in person. Um, And so I was very limited in what I found. I got help. They were Caucasian women. So there were parts of me that were still guarded. And obviously, that's not the most helpful thing. If you're looking to get help, you need to really be comfortable to share what's really going on um, in your history so that you can get the feedback and the the tips and the tools that are going to be helpful to you. And so it was helpful, but I feel like it probably would have been a lot more helpful if I had someone I felt a little bit more comfortable with. And so pairing those two things together, um, I know I can't be the only one. If I'm a whole therapist and I was struggling trying to Mm -hmm. find somebody and I, I know where to look. I know how to look. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm struggling, I know there's other people that are struggling. Right. So I became exactly who I needed. And I hope that I can help other people who are in similar positions. Mm. That's deep. You, you became who you needed. I think that is, I think a lot of the mental health professionals that I speak to, a, a lot of times that's where it's coming from. But I think you might be the first person that's actually said, like, I was just like, this isn't out there. I'm having trouble finding it. I need it. So I'm just going to become it. So that, that is awesome. Um, so you make this transition between becoming a marriage and family therapist to becoming an intimacy coach. But I know that you mentioned, and I, we don't have to go um, too deep into it, but I know that you mentioned that you are a sexual assault, assault survivor. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess at what point for you, if you're comfortable talking about it, did you realize like, maybe I need to seek, uh, maybe I need to find someone to talk to, to become intimate again? Right. No. And I think that's a great question. Um, and this is part of like the new year's resolution, right? Like being able to like share myself and my story. So I'm, I'm okay with talking about it. Um, but I was 17 when I was raped. And so that it happened. I went to sleep, I cried, I went to sleep, I woke up and I lived my life as if it did not happen. I didn't tell anyone, um, I didn't mention it, I didn't, I tried not to think about it. Um, I just, it wasn't a thing, it wasn't a thing, right? And so um, I didn't think that anything was wrong. It's like, I'm not thinking about it, I'm not talking about it. I never saw this person again after that day. Um, And so it wasn't like a present thing in my life. And so I kind of lived regularly. Um, But when I was 22, 
I was in grad school. Um, I met my now husband. Um, at the time, he was just a friends with benefits. Um, <laughs> and he was the first person I was like, what's up with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's up with me? Nothing. And he's just like, you're not here. Like, I don't feel like you're connecting with me. Like some, like something is going on. And that was the first time that anyone had ever said anything to me like that. I'm like defensive, of course. I'm like, no, something's wrong with you. Maybe I just don't like you like that. Um, and <laughs> it was a little bit of that. So it definitely took me like sitting because I'm a very introspective person. So after that, like once he brought it to my attention, I'm in grad school to learn how to be a therapist. So mm. like I know and I couldn't not think about it. It's not, it, I couldn't like pretend that it wasn't a thing. Mm. I had to get help. And so I did at that time, it was helpful to kind of normalize my experience. So I think that's kind of what that first set of therapy was about. Just like, it wasn't your fault. Cause a lot of it, that was like a fear. Like I allowed this person to even be in my space and like, mm. I was flirting with them and like, I felt like part of, if I, if I wasn't in that situation, then obviously it wouldn't have happened. No, it's not my fault, but then I still felt that underneath it. And so it kind of normalized that for me. And then I eventually went to therapy again because I know it's not my fault. I know that that was wrong, but I still was having a hard time feeling close or allowing someone to get super close to me, feeling safe. And being vulnerable in a sexual environment, like there was still something that was blocking me. So like I still had to seek out additional services. I got a sex coach. Like I was really at a point where it got to a place where I tried all the things that I can think of to try. Um, and it wasn't working the way that I thought that it would work. And so mm -hmm. at that point, like either I deal with this for the rest of my life or I ask someone else and someone else might have things that I don't know. And so that was kind of where I was at with that. And that was the big motivator. And then also my husband, we eventually started dating and like, okay, he's not responsible. So um, it's not fair to me or him that we have to deal with something that somebody else did. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's deep. And well, I, I appreciate you sharing your story first and foremost. Like, I hate that you went through that. Um, but I think that by you sharing your story, I know that you, there are other people out there listening and that may have had those same moments and maybe they've had loved ones in their lives or people that are, that they're involved with kind of say the same things and not know how to respond and not really know how to take it. I mean, fortunate for you, you're in a space where you're kind of already digging into like, what is my mind thinking? Like, why am I at this point? Why am I responding this way? Um, but I wonder if there's a lot of people out there that have gone through these similar experiences that haven't quite got to that point of like, you know, maybe mm -hmm. they've done, they've, they've kind of just shoved it off and maybe it's yeah. something that is affecting them. Um, so I know, of course, like sexual assault and trauma has effects on intimacy. But I, I know there's also that mental wellness and mental health aspect of um, having an effect on intimacy. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we before we deep dive into that, I mm -hmm. want kind of your perspective on how would you describe intimacy? Yeah. So when it comes to intimacy, the easiest way that I break it down, like to the most basic of the basic is closeness. Intimacy is closeness. So underneath that, of course, there's a million ways that you can feel close to someone. But in a general sense, when you think about intimacy, you should think about closeness. Mm, I love that. And I I think when I first, um, when we first talk, like go into that conversation, um, the first type of intimacy that I'm thinking of is like, of course, sexual intimacy or physical intimacy. But then I thought about it and I'm like, man, there's there is like that platonic intimacy that you have between your friends or your family. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. also like the emotional intimacy that doesn't really have anything to do with the physical. So can you talk a little bit about like maybe other ways that intimacy looks outside of like the normal rom-com, like on the couch cuddling? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, no. So, I mean, obviously most people think, physical, if not sexual, when they think about intimacy. Um, 
which is the easiest one to know. Like if you touching somebody, if y'all having sex, then there you go. Sexual intimacy, physical yeah. intimacy. But outside of that, there is that emotional intimacy, which can be just like sharing your emotions. Um, there's intellectual intimacy, um, people who like to share ideas. So if you ever had like a friend or someone that you just felt so comfortable talking about, um, whether it's books or like current events, just talking about things with and like you get so excited to have that sort of conversation with them and you know that that's your person that you could go to, like, I need to talk about this. I go to that person. Like that's intellectual intimacy. Um, there's spiritual intimacy. There's some people that you just connect with on a spiritual level and whether that's in a formal way, like you you guys go to church or any sort of um, formal place of worship. Um, maybe you pray together, maybe you meditate um, or do yoga. And that can be a very spiritual experience. So it doesn't have to be formal. It can be a freestyle of what that means to you. Um, another one that I really like is experiential um, because it's doing things together, which we do anyway. But this is what you do like when you go out and you have a new experience, maybe you learn something new, you take a class together. Um, anytime you spend doing something with someone, whether you're creating something or just you have a specific activity that bonds you together through that activity. Um, and that can be literally anything. Um, and so it's not only one thing. It's just whenever you feel close to someone. And I always tell people like my husband and I, I don't think it's weird because I feel like people, everybody does this, but like I like to pluck his hairs for him and like yeah, things same. like that. And I'm I feel like, like that's that. a very intimate thing to do. You just don't go up to people and start plucking the hairs. It's not yeah. a thing. Right. Yeah. So like think about all of those things that you do with people that you wouldn't feel comfortable to do with other people. Oh, that's, that's a good way to put it. it. That's intimacy. That is a good way to put it. Even like you said, going back to the experiential, because I hadn't even thought about that either. That's new to me. But there are th certain things I guess I wouldn't do with everybody either as mm -hmm. far as like maybe it is going to like take a class together and maybe it's taking a trip together. Well, you're not going to take a trip together, right. like with your coworkers. Right. Yeah. Right. Or maybe exactly. you would, I don't know. Maybe some people would, I would. Maybe you like your coworkers like that, maybe. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe trying to go um, ride horses and like go on a nude beach with your coworkers. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Not me, but maybe. <laughs> No, but that that's really, that's really good to know. Um, and that's a, thank you for that breakdown. I, I want to, I know you mentioned one earlier, um, as far as like having sex, can you, and this may be like a weird question to ask, but can you have sex without intimacy? I think that everyone is a little bit different. Um, so I think that when it comes to, to sex, so maybe they, there's emotions that are removed from it, but I think that sex can still be intimate in other ways. And maybe people don't feel super comfortable with saying that, like, it's not intimate. We just having sex, like it's I'm in and I'm out. And maybe that's true, but I think that there is still a component of intimacy that is involved in that. Um, there are people who are very open with their sexuality, but they still are not having sex with every single person that they meet. Mm, so yeah. that kind of goes back to things that you do with people that you don't do with everyone, right? So you meet Becky Sue on the street, you're not doing the same thing to her that you're doing to this person, right? And so it's the same principle. So there's a component of intimacy that is still involved. Even if you don't have feelings, that's fine. I think that you can have sex without having feelings for that person or involving feelings at all. Um, I think that that's very valid. But to deny that there's any level of intimacy, I think is just not very true. Mm. No, that, that definitely makes sense. And um, I want to talk a little bit about like how does intimacy affect mental wellness or mental health and then also vice versa like where where do those two inter intersect yeah I think that when it comes to intimacy this is how I kind of conceptualize it so we learn who we are what we like we learn that we grow we develop 
within the context of relationships. So I could think I'm a nice person. I could think I'm great and wonderful, all of those things. But how do I genuinely know that until I'm placed within a context of relationship? I can't know that I'm a kind and loving person if I've never been able to show love and kindness before. Um, I can make that claim, but do I know if that is true? Who knows, right? And so we learn all of that within a context of relationships and relationships are built on intimacy. So there's no way to take that out of our growth and development. It's something that we thrive on. Um, if you think about babies like that skin to skin, the bonding, they say that's how we learn how to attach to someone else. We do that throughout our entire lives. Like it's super important for babies, obviously, but it's still important as we grow. Like you ever meet the guys who said someone cheated on them or did them wrong when they were in sixth grade and now they're 32 and they're still yes. acting like, <laughs> right. So it yeah. still matters. They're not babies when they're 12 years old, but it still matters. It still is important as far as their behavior, right? And so when we lack that intimacy, it can stunt our growth, um, but then it also can, it has negative consequences for our overall well-being. So like it's associated with negative health consequences. It's associated with negative wellness overall. And the opposite is true. When we have intimacy in our lives, healthy intimacy in our life, um, then we have better health consequences, better well-being overall. So it definitely is linked. I don't think that you can separate it. Yeah. Is is there any like specific, because I know when I think about, um, when I think about mental wellness and intimacy, I think one of the first things that comes to mind for me is for people that are taking medication, like um, medication for certain mental health disorders. Um, I know that I've had guests that come, have come on and talked about having uh, being di diagnosed with bipolar disorder and the medication that they've been given takes their libido away, but nobody mm -hmm. told them that that was going to happen. Um, so for, for somebody that's going through that type of situation, would it be, right. and again, I know we're going back to sexual and like a very like intimate mm -hmm. physical connection, sexual connection for somebody, but is that, um, something that like you would be able to help somebody with in that, in that aspect? Yeah. So when it definitely like any mental health concerns, stress, uh, being busy, like all of those things, even if it's not like an official diagnosis, maybe you're just overwhelmed because work is crazy right now. Like the holidays are coming, work is crazy. So all of those things impact our ability, our capacity, our willingness to be intimate. And obviously sexually, but it could also be the other ones. Maybe I just don't want to talk about feelings. I'm tired. Like maybe I don't feel like going and doing something with you. I don't want to have date night. Like I'm not into it. I don't want you to touch me. So it definitely can impact all of those things, um, whether you're on medication or not. Um, but it, I'm glad that you mentioned the medication thing because a lot, um, I would say, almost most maybe um, of medical issues or medications impact libido. And doctors are not going to tell you that because it's low on the list of priority. So mm -hmm. like they tell you, oh, you could die. You can have a heart attack. Um, you might get diarrhea or gastrointestinal issues, but sex is down at the bottom of that list. It's not, yeah. it's not going to make the highlights. It's not. Yeah. They just don't consider it that important. Like if you're going to die, like, of course you want to know that. Right. Yeah. But saying that you might not feel like having sex, I feel like they think that you can survive without having sex. So like, who right. cares? Um, and so that's something you have to ask them about. You have to mention it. And it's not weird. They see and hear all types of things all day. Yeah. You ask them, well, hey, is this going to impact my libido? Is this going to make my vagina dry? Um, is this going to give me erectile dysfunction? Like, ask the questions so that you can make an informed decision from there. Mm. I feel like the FDA needs to um, get a hold of this because like <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, big news. Like this is very important. People should know. I think somebody, uh, somebody on a, on a past episode um, and I'm, I'm blanking on who mentioned it, but they mentioned that Zyrtec has an effect. And I was like, well, damn, nobody told me I haven't taken Zyrtec for years. This would have been good to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely, they will not tell you like, 
they're not going to tell you. And it's not, I don't think that all of them are trying to be malicious or like, they just like, it's just, like I said, it's a low priority thing. And then plus on top of that, most people don't talk about sex. So maybe they don't even feel comfortable bringing it up um, Mm. because they might feel weird about it. Maybe they don't have the resources or the, the tools to walk you through that. Right. Right. That, that makes sense. But that's good to know that it's it's definitely a question we should all be asking, or at least I guess looking it up on the side effects online. That's why I do when we right. do medication, <laughs> <laughs> or I just yeah. ask the pharmacist. Um, no, like, yeah, that's a good effects? idea. Right, <laughs> right. Let me know because yes. there's no way that they're going to tell you all of that in the appointment um, because usually there's a whole lot of side effects, so they're just going to pick the highlights. So yeah. just know that you're not getting the full story every time time and that you should always ask questions if it's something that's important to you which I think for most people it is whether or not you want to admit it or say it out loud for most people that is something that's important or that that matters so ask the questions write them down um, and read them if you need to make it a little bit easier for you to start it but like hey I have some a list of questions add some regular ones in there if that makes you feel a little bit better but definitely ask yeah like just make your little list and you know am Mm -hmm. i gonna get a cough does this cause stroke also is my vagina gonna be dry after this you can just put it all on the phone just turn show them the phone (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) yes oh so um i i wanted to ask um about touch deprivation and this kind of popped up because i was listening to a podcast i'm always listening to some podcasts and i think it was see the thing is podcast but one of them had mentioned, um, she mentioned something about like, I feel like I'm not getting enough touch in my life. And I was like, what does she mean? So she said, I, I feel like I'm having like touch deprivation because I don't throughout the day, I don't have any physical contact with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my spirit needs it. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, who better to ask about than, than mm-hmm. you, but yeah, I wanted, yes. can you talk a little bit about like, touch deprivation and and like the need for physical touch for for human beings right yeah and that kind of goes with the the skin to skin that I mentioned for babies like it releases the happy hormones first like it it makes you feel good like you ever hug someone you just stay there for a moment like it feels nice like it feels nice. Right. And so, um, and then also it can be comforting and bond you to that person. So it's, it's multi multi multi-layered. And I think with the pandemic, a lot of people learned this for the first time, like you kind of take advantage of things. Like maybe we don't realize like how important or how great it was for us to be able to touch people on a regular basis. And if you were a single person or you lived alone, um, when everything was on lockdown, like you didn't have access to people. And even if you did, maybe they weren't comfortable. Like we can't be hugging, like you can't Mm -hmm. be all up in my face. Um, And so a lot of people learn just what it was like to not have it. Um, and if you've ever heard about Maslow and the hierarchy of needs, um, the love and belonging is somewhere in the middle. So obviously it's not more important than like your physiological nourishment. Like you need water, you need food. Um, also like safety and stuff like you need to feel like you have a place. So usually that looks like having a home, having somewhere stable to be. um, So you feel like something consistent. But once you have some of those basic needs met, after that comes love and belonging. So like your friendships, your family, the romantic relationships. And part of that is being able to build those bonds. So release those happy hormones. So being able to hug, um, I forget the exact number, but there's a number of hugs that they suggest a day in order for you to maintain like a good mood, right? So Mm. if you are under that, obviously correlation is going in the negative direction. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. How, as far as, cause I've seen some interesting, I'm always watching like weird stuff about mental health. And, and one thing that I saw well, not too long ago was there was like a, like a hug therapist. I don't think it was a therapist. I think it was like maybe a counselor, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but they were basically booking people. No, it was a cuddle cuddle. Yeah. 
cuddler cuddle Mm -hmm. professional cuddler professional cuddler that's what it was i think they were based in la so i was like okay Mm -hmm. if anywhere's gonna have a cuddle a professional of course yeah but i would see how somebody that doesn't get that that um that amount of that level of touch would need that intimacy Mm -hmm. have you like do you know too much about like those type of services I don't know a whole lot about it I watch like the little videos too so like that's the extent of what I know I have never like really looked into it too deeply um but I know that they have surrogates for other things too so like there's sex surrogates like you can have Mm -hmm. someone specifically for that purpose so it I, I get it. Like it makes sense in that context um, because there are those people, like I said, if you live alone and you don't have that access to someone that you feel comfortable with in order to do that, um, paying someone that can provide that service for you so that you have some form of touch can be really helpful. So I get it. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it though. <laughs> No, that I think it's super. In, I think it's really interesting. Be, and I also I remember watching that. And at first, it, it's kind of like I don't want to say it's off putting, but it's just you don't really hear about that often. But it makes yeah. sense that we need that, especially as you're talking about. Like it sounds like physiologically, we we also need that that physical touch as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is so you are an intimacy coach and, and you're kind of, you're in the world of mental health, but is intimacy coaching kind of new to the world of mental health and wellness? Or is it kind of maybe new to people to like black folks? Cause I've, I've never heard of it, but it makes sense as to why we would need it. Right. So I, I don't know if it's new. I think maybe the terminology is newer than the concept itself. Um, and I think that it's only becoming more acceptable, like something that's a little bit more okay to talk about. Um, and especially for Black folks, you know, we don't, we're not as open to these types of services, um, just historically. Um, so I do think that maybe it's newer in that sense. But I think as far as practice, like people have always sought out ways to improve intimacy, sought out ways to improve sex. Like people have always done that. It's just maybe not in such a formal manner and maybe not with this sort of terminology. Right, right. Um, As like, what are some of the reasons that people come to see you? Um, So there's a lot. So I typically, um, I work with women um, and what I kind of have like three pillars or three like main categories of topics. Um, So it would be confidence, intimacy, and sex. So some of the most common things that I say, like if you're experiencing any of these, so one or more, um, it would be like uh, low confidence or self-esteem, especially around body image, um, lack of or infrequent uh, sex or intimacy, lack of or infrequent orgasms, um, feeling distant in relationships, um, low confidence or fear around discussing your desires with sex and intimacy, um, any sort of relationship issues, um, like difficulty feeling close to someone, dissociation or checking out during sex. So like all of those sorts of things would be kind of the main things that people tend to come with to me about. Um, sometimes people, they just don't know what they like, like experiencing pleasure, identifying pleasure, figuring out what they want their sex life to be, being able to embrace that they are asexual being and release any shame or guilt that they may have around that. So mostly those sorts of things. Yeah. And I know you mentioned um, dissociation during sex. For anybody that's like, I don't know what dissociation Mm -hmm. is and like, how can you do that? Can you just describe what that would, what that would look like? Yeah, so dissociation, a simple way to put it is like checking out. So you're no longer mentally in this experience. So if you think about it, like as far as mindfulness, you know, mindfulness, the idea of like being present in this moment, I'm embracing everything that's going on right now, is kind of opposite. So like, I need to not embrace anything that's going on right now. So mentally, 
you check out and you take yourself elsewhere. And this is very common if you have any trauma. Um, a lot of people do this. And this is what my husband was talking about when he told me, like, you're not here. Like, what's going on with you? This is what he was talking about. It's just like, mentally, I was not connecting. Um, I wasn't connecting to him, but I also wasn't really connecting to my body. I was just kind of physically there, but not mentally at all. Um, and it's a protective mechanism. Like we do it to protect ourselves. So if you've experienced trauma where in the moment it's painful, it's it's crazy, it's scary, um, you want to check out. You don't want to experience those emotions at that time. And then your body just learns to replicate that because that is what made you feel safe. That's what made you survive that. Um, and so you have to kind of teach yourself that you don't need that anymore. Yeah. What does that look like for somebody that might be listening and maybe, uh, maybe like the little light bulb is kind of going off in their head. Like, okay, I'm going through like what she's talking about is, is what I'm feeling. Um, mm -hmm. What can they kind of expect it with, with the intimacy coaching with you? Right. So typically with the coaching, like a lot of it with it, with anything, if you go to therapy, you go to counseling, a lot of it's going to include some mindset work. Um, and a lot of that is like defining and redefining some of our definitions. Right. And so um, defining what sex is, what intimacy is, and like creating a vision of what that looks like for you. Um, so like if you have issues with sexual confidence, if you have issues feeling comfortable um, with sex, whatever the, the thing is that you want to work on, we need to create our definitions because it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the media says sexy is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who Becky across the street thinks like it, none of that matters because at the end of the day, it's your life and your experience. Um, and so we have to redo all of that. So a lot of it is starting there so that we can have like a clear understanding of what we're working towards. So if sexual confidence looks like being able to initiate because maybe I don't feel comfortable, I never did it before, um, feeling comfortable to dress up or to have sex with the lights on, whatever that looks like for you. And it's okay, no matter what it is, um, but being able to be very clear on what that is. And then from there, having to teach ourselves or unteach ourselves some things. Um, so if there's things that we've learned along the way that are not working for us anymore, everything works until it doesn't. It's great that you had a tool that you were using that worked for you. It got you to this place. But if at this point it's no longer helping, if it's becoming an issue in your relationship or it's just becoming an issue within yourself, like you feel conflicted, you don't feel happy, then we need to reevaluate, like figure out, okay, What's a different way that we can go about this? And how can I let go of what I've been doing for so long? Um, and it's a lot of that type of work. And then obviously we have like cool uh, activities and strategies and things that we can try along the way to kind of build our confidence and to show ourselves that we can do it. Like we can do it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's like, it, it as far as like who you work with it can you work with just like one person do you work with couples like thruples like what, what does that look like for you so I work with women specifically um mm -hmm. and that's mainly just because of my own story um but what I do plan to do in the future and I'll let y'all know when that is but I do want to have like workshops for couples or if you have more than one person that you're in a relationship with that's fine as well um but I find that even with one person and I always tell people this they're like well my man he ain't never gonna come he would never do something like that and it's like maybe not but sometimes when we start on our own journey, the people around us are motivated as they see the changes in us. Sometimes if you if you talk to them about it openly, sometimes they're like, oh, that doesn't sound as bad as what I thought it would be. It doesn't seem like a crazy thing now that you're talking about it. Um, but then also sometimes because we start to change, I'm interacting with you differently. So now you have to respond to me differently. We can't mm. fall into that same pattern because I'm not taking that same role anymore. I'm not doing that. So now you have to adjust. So mm. even though you don't want to come, you don't want to get help, you get help. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't have or a maybe that's just not going to work. Like, you know, so right. you don't need to have that other person with you in order for it to impact you in 
significantly significantly within the context of the relationship. It's not a needed thing. Um, and so I tend to work with women because they tend to be a little bit more open to seeking help. Um, and then also because you don't need to depend on your partner in order to create that change for yourself. I love that. I love that. I think that's very empowering to hear that. I will just say to know that you don't have to show up because I think oftentimes like a lot of people say, okay, I'm in couples counseling and and you're kind of in this point where the other person has to be there, but it is empowering Mm -hmm. to think, okay, I can make these changes for myself and ultimately change my environment or maybe realize that things in my environment are not changing and maybe I need to change where I'm at. So, oh, that's very encouraging. Um, Can you give us just like maybe three or four ways that, uh, that we can improve our intimacy and it can span the different types of intimacy, but just kind of from your perspective, what are some, some tips for us? Yeah. So I always say I have like five. So some of them kind of like overlap and some of them are like goes without saying, but I have to say it just because there might be that person who didn't really think about it that way. So first and foremost is prioritizing it. So whether this is intimacy with yourself or intimacy with another person, a lot of times we say, of course, this relationship is important to me. Of course, I I know I'm important. I matter. Um, And it's easy for us to say it. We can say it all day, like, this is important to me. You're the most important thing. Um, But how are we showing that it's a priority? And so that's where it comes to, like, what's the plan? What are the goals? Like, what are we doing that demonstrates that this is a priority? I can say, you matter to me. This is important. And then we never really spend time together. We don't go on dates. We don't have sex. Um, We're not doing the things that show that this is a priority. So really creating a plan and making sure that it's clear that this is a priority. So not just saying it, but actually implementing something. Um, But once we do that, um, the other things include things like telling each other's secrets or details, like actually communicating. Um, Because a lot of times, especially if we're in long-term relationships, long-term friendships or things like that, it can be very easy to get into the habit of like, oh, how was work? Oh, it was good. It was fine. Mm. Um, How was your day? It was cool. And like, okay, but what else? Like we need to be having conversations that go beyond just that small talk, those quick little tidbits. Um, so sharing things about yourself, um, sharing secrets, maybe embarrassing moments, you know, like those conversation starter cards. Those are really good because it takes the pressure off for you from having to like, I don't know what to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it makes you talk about things that you don't typically talk about on a day to day. Um, And those are the things that make you feel closer to someone. If you ever think about all the people that you know, typically the people you feel closest to know the most about you. Because when I share something with you, typically most people, they feel more comfortable. Like, man, she just shared something something real with me. Like, I feel like I can trust her if I tell her something. Then now we can build a reciprocal relationship in that way. So that is why that's very important. That helps with the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual intimacy very much. Like you got to talk you yeah. about everything, everything yeah. in the world. Put it all out there. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything's out there. <laughs> no, right. That's a good point because I think having those, having those discussions, like you ultimately feel closer to whether it be like your your loved one or your spouse, whoever it may be, it's like, it's like a give and take a little bit. Like I'm giving you a piece of me and then ultimately you are giving me like one of your secrets and it makes you feel comfortable in that space. Cause it's like, okay, it's not just me pouring my heart out. We're actually like sharing this together. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if somebody is if somebody is curious about um, maybe somebody's listening to this and maybe they're, they're kind of like, I don't know it. Do I need an intimacy coach? Do I like, what is one piece of, I know you just gave us like some really big pieces of advice, but if somebody's scared to mm-hmm. get to this point of like, Ooh, maybe I, maybe I went through these traumas when I was younger. Maybe I'm just at a place with myself. Maybe it's not even in a relationship and I'm just like, I want 
more. I want more intimacy, Mm -hmm. more physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, experiential intimacy. Um, They're scared to kind of make that next step into actually getting help or maybe reaching out. What piece Mm -hmm. of advice do you have for them? Usually like a tool that we use um, in therapy is kind of questioning. So what if this is it forever? So like if you're experiencing something that you're not happy with, whether it's a relationship um, and things maybe aren't going the way that you want them to, or if it's just by yourself and you're not, maybe you don't feel super confident. um, You want to feel more confident sexually. You want to be able to experience pleasure. um, Think about if you would be okay with it staying exactly how it is forever. Mm. Because ultimately that's very likely if you don't do anything. Um, We fall into patterns, whether they are helpful or not. As humans, it is easy to stay in a pattern. So even if we hate it and we don't want it, we will stay there unless we do something. And so I would say definitely, I always ask that question and then it's just like, well, duh, of course not. But it's easy to say that. Like I said, it's easy to say these things, but to actually start doing the things, that's what comes after. And I always say, if you have tried everything that you can think of, that doesn't mean you have tried everything. People love to say, oh, we did everything. I've not met a person that has tried everything, myself Mm -hmm. included. I I have not tried everything. There's no way that you have tried everything. And so if you think that you've done everything that you can think of, why not ask someone else? The only thing that can happen is that it doesn't help. And you're in the same spot that you're in already. Already. Right. Exactly. Okay. I like that. No, I like that a lot. If you had to have the same thing for the rest of your life, would you want that? That is a very great question. Um, And I want to, uh, before we kind of wrap up and get all of your info and all that good stuff, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we do our mind game segment. So the mind game segment of this podcast is basically a segment where I uh, I read the description of a uh, mental illness or mental health disorder, and then the audience gets to guess. You can't guess because you're probably going to know what it is. Um, but we'll give them like a second to kind of uh, think about what it is. And then um, I'll kind of go through some of the symptoms. Um, and yeah, this is just a little, you know, like a little trivia section. So mm-hmm. for today's mind game, here's the definition. So I'll give you a hint. It is a personality disorder. So this particular personality disorder is an uncommon condition in which people avoid social activities and consistently shy away from interaction with others. They also have a limited range of emotional expression. Um, If someone has this particular personality disorder, they may be seen as a loner or dismissive of others, and they may lack the desire to skill, desire or skill to form close personal relationships. Um, Because they don't intend to show emotion, they may appear as if they don't care about others or what's going on around them. Um, The cause of this particular disorder is unknown and talk therapy, and in some cases, medication can help. Um, this particular personality personality disorder usually begins in a, early adulthood, um, though some features may be noticeable during childhood. The features may cause you to have trouble uh, to function well in a school, in school, a job, socially, or in other areas of life. Um, and although this person may be doing reasonably well. Um, in the in their job if they mostly work alone which i thought was really interesting um so i will give everybody uh, 20 seconds or so to kind of guess you can use dr google if you want to um but while you're guessing i do just want to remind y'all that uh black girls have anxiety too is on bullhorn we are doing live episodes so make sure to click the link in the description make sure you give us a follow download the app Uh, you'll be able to call in you can chat you can also um, submit questions directly to our guests Um, and yeah it just makes it more interactive more fun I also want to meet the people that are listening to this podcast so um, follow us on Instagram to make sure that you uh, know about when we're going to be doing the live episodes if you follow us on bullhorn you get notifications directly to your phone uh, anytime we're doing live episodes so Yeah, don't forget to do that. 
Um, all right. So now we're going to go ahead and reveal the mind games answer for today. Shamari, do you know what it is? You don't have to say it. Oh, okay. Not... Yep. Do you have an idea of what it is? I have an idea. An idea, but... <laughs> well, I'll give everybody the answer. So the answer is schizoid personality disorder. Mm. So mm. it's spelled uh, S-C-H-I-Z-O-I-D, schizoid personality disorder. Uh, some of the symptoms for this for this particular personality disorder are uh, the person prefers to be alone. Um, they don't want or enjoy close relationships. They feel little, if any, desire for sexual relationships. Uh, they feel like they can't experience pleasure. Uh, they have difficulty expressing emotions and reach, uh, reaching, reacting <laughs> appropriately to situations. Uh, they may seem humorless, indifferent, or emotionally cold to others. Um, they also appear to lack motivation and goals and they don't react to praise or critical remarks from others. So as I was kind of prepping for this episode, I was looking for uh, mental illnesses or mental uh, health disorders that um, lacked intimacy. And so this is one mm -hmm. that I kind of stumbled upon. So I thought it would be fun. Not that this disorder is fun, but I thought it would be um, a good match for this particular topic because mm -hmm. it seems that for schizoid personality disorder, um, intimacy is not something that they want, uh, that that person wants. Um, and I wanted to kind of get your opinion. Like if somebody is diagnosed yeah. with this disorder, does that mean that they don't want intimacy or they don't enjoy intimacy or they just have no desire to like seek intimacy. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've had much, like if you've had too many like run-ins with this particular disorder. With this one, no, I did um, have a lot of clients that were schizoaffective um, or ones that had like schizophrenia, like officially. Um, so schizoid, that, no not so yeah. much. Um, but I did think it's important that you, now that you mentioned that to say that some people don't have like a strong desire for intimacy, um, or like for sex particularly. Um, and if that is your normal state, like that's how you've always been, you're okay with it, then there's really no issues. So like when we diagnose, typically we diagnose because it is, um, uh, distressing or disturbing um, to like you and your daily functioning, um, if it interferes with your ability to like go to work or uh, successfully have relationships and those sorts of things. So if you are the type of person who wants to have sex once a year and you are happy and you're thriving, your relationship is amazing, there's no issue. Like you don't need to come talk to me. I mean, you can, but there's, you don't need to do anything differently. So just because everyone else is saying they have sex every day, that doesn't mean that that's what you need to do too. And so there are some people who just don't have that strong desire for it. And that if that's your normal and you are okay and satisfied with that, then that's, there's no issue with that. So there are some exceptions um, to the general idea that everyone, everyone wants intimacy. Everyone wants to have sex. Not really. Right. Some people don't. Some people don't. Yeah. And I, that kind mm -hmm. of um, brings me to one of my other questions, which is, I know with like under the um, LGBTQ hat, if we extend that, it goes to LGBT, LGBTQIA. And I know the A stands mm -hmm. for asexuality. So for right. somebody that is asexual and um, doesn't necessarily desire to have sex or have that sexual intimacy, Right. does that person st could that person come to you if they wanted to improve like experiential intimacy or their physical intimacy without necessarily crossing that line into into sexual intimacy right so yeah when it comes to my services um when i do my one-on-one -on -one services it's customized to that individual so whatever it is that your goals are so it doesn't matter what my goals are it doesn't matter what whoever said this is the standard this is the average um it really is what your goal is and if your goal is not for sex that's 
totally fine. Um, there are still ways that they love to experience intimacy. Um, and we can work on making sure that you are getting that and that you have creative ways to make sure that you're satisfied with whatever, whatever type of intimacy that is. So if it's sex, it's sex. But if it's not, if it's just going on dates, that's fine too. Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. That's really good to know is like that, that it is a whole span. So for somebody that is listening and they want to get in touch with you, they want to book your services. And I think you mentioned it earlier already, but if they don't have to necessarily be in the particular state you're in, right? Is the door kind of open right. for everybody? Yes. So with the coaching, I can see anyone anywhere. Um, and so there's no limitation in that respect. Um, I do have one-to-one services. Um, so if you're a woman, you are looking to improve your confidence, relationship satisfaction, or you just want some more pleasure, you want better sex, um, then I am happy to help you with that journey because um, we all deserve what we want. So yes. um, it's definitely possible. Um, I do the one-to-one services. I have a three-month program and then I also have where you can pay by session. Um, so whatever is comfortable for you um, is fine. It starts with a free breakthrough call with me though. So it's a 30-minute call where we kind of talk about what the concerns are to one, make sure that we're a good fit, um, but also to make sure that I can help because um, if you come to me and, and maybe if you have like a more physical issue that you need to talk to a doctor about, I'm not the one for that. So um, it's definitely to figure out that as well. Um, but um, the call is free, 30 minutes, um, and you would just have to schedule a time with me and then we'll go from there. Um, I also have a course. So if you're an independent woman and you, I'm going to do it by myself. Um, that's fine. <laughs> That's okay, too. We got some for you, too. That's fine. Yes, it's called Better Sex Guide to Confidence, Satisfaction, and Orgasms Without Baking. So you can do some of the work on your own. It's a lot of the same activities that I would suggest to clients. Um, You just, you're not going to get me. Um, You get the videos, but you're not going to be able to ask me like, hey, is this, what's what's going on with this? Yeah, Um, what's happening? Feedback. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, for somebody that is interested and, or maybe they just want to follow you along on your journey, or maybe they actually want to book some coaching with you, where can they find Mm -hmm. you? So my Instagram, that's where I spend the most time if you're looking for me online. Um, And it's going to be Shamari LAB, so Shamari Lab. Um, And I also have my Easy Tree. My Easy Tree is where you're going to find literally everything. So it's going to have the link to book the free breakthrough call. So you can take a look at my schedule and book a time that works for you. It has the link to the course. I also have another mini course for confidence. So if you just, I just want to work on my confidence, um, it's a mini course. Um, so you can grab that. Um, it also has all of the links to all of my socials if you're looking for me anywhere online. And it, I have a freebie too. So that's linked there as well. If nothing else, you should get the freebie because it's 69 sex questions. You got to talk about it. If you're not having a great time or you want to try something different, you're not sure how to start the conversations, I made it easy for you. Tell them Shamari told you to do it. Break out the list. It's the new challenge. Ask some yes. questions. Have a Tell conversation. Tell her Shamari told you to do it. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, I need to download that list. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I really, I thank you for coming on the pod today. This has been like a really fun convo for anybody that wants to get a hold of Shamari. All of her information that she just mentioned will be in the description below. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram. Reach out to her if you have questions about intimacy coaching. Yes. Or at the very least, download those questions. That'll give you like, mm. you know, a head start. Um, but I do appreciate you coming in and sharing your own experiences, but also how you're, you're doing the work out there helping others. So I I appreciate that. Um, thank you. Yes. This is exciting. Um, thank you to everybody that has tuned into another episode of black girls have anxiety too. This has been, um, a great conversation. Make sure if you are not following us, make sure you follow us on, uh, IG black girls have anxiety too. Same thing on TikTok. Um, If you are interested in being on the podcast, if you are a mental health professional or somebody that is working in that space and you are a black woman and you would like to come in and talk about a topic, hit me up, slide into my DMs. I only allow mental health professionals and people that want to be on pods to come into my DMs. So the door is open. Um, You can also (laughs) send me an email, uh, blackgirlshaveanxiety2 at gmail.com. 
on the flip side, if you are not a mental health professional and you are just a black girl that wants to talk, come in uh, and share your own story about your own mental health journey, um, please reach out to me. I'm always looking for uh, people to be on the podcast. Um, and it's also cool to meet people that actually listen. So um, black girls have anxiety too at gmail.com. All of that information is in the description. Thank you so much for joining for another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I hope everybody has a great day, night, wherever you are. Um, but I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.